trying to escape this futile. Who child is got to jump in too wild. That's why we got more than two styles. Two and that's the situation too shy. And though the road is rocky, I'm ready to try. The next mile, the brave side to the blind man. It's down to the left child. We will survive in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jumping is specialist, predatory and survivalist. Spitting hell, fire from his lips. Burn a slave driver. to time for an awakening on black talk radio network new media for the new millennia this is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective we find this program necessary because hosea 4 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people We'll turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Bother I get and get an understanding. Welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live. At several locations, you can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live audio stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening, and the live audio should be playing there also. You can go to abb2me.com, that's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I dot com forward slash time for an awakening they stream from ghana and catch the audio there or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free radio app in that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had the bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening with your program with the live stream on the tune in app Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type for, type in time for an awakening radio program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and time for an awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on time for an awakening, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also check out that time for an awakening marketplace and our partnership with the BB to me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.09. Uh, 7.08. Uh, changing to 9 right now. 
on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, the, the July 9th edition of Time for an Awakening. It's raining Sunday evening. We're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guests this evening uh, in the first portion of the program, activist organizer and New York Council person representing the 47, 42nd District, uh, Brother Charles Byrne, will be joining us this evening. Also in the second portion of the program, activist, organizer, and spokesperson for the New Orleans Black United Front, Brother W.C. Johnson, will be joining us also in conversation. <clears throat> Two guests with a lot to offer tonight. Uh, should be an interesting program, and you can always get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, 
call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 713 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm 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 a little um, pleased with the rain, even though I love the heat. The humidity has been something, so that's the environmental note. And I'm also looking forward to engage with um, brother Charles Barron in order to just get this update and just see how do we move from here. You know, uh, uh, brother Barron was with us maybe two, three weeks ago, and let us know that uh, he was involved in a uh, primary and we've seen the results of what happened uh, we want to get the brother Baron on here to not only talk about what transpired but uh, war strategies moving forward in this political environment that we're in joining us in conversation this evening activist organizer and New York City Council person representing the 47th district is brother Charles Byron brother Baron, how are you sir I'm doing fantastically well. Always good to be on with my brothers. Uh, my spirit's up. Our movement is moving forward. So I'm just honored to be on with you tonight. Brother Barron, we, we, uh, we understand that the, uh, I, I, I assume, uh, New York is a little bit different than Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, but not much different. Uh, you had the primary there, and you did uh, lose to uh, uh, fellow Banks, Chris Banks. Uh, but something a little different than Philadelphia is when something like this happens, I guess similar to what happened in Buffalo, uh, the folks do have another chance to write, uh, write, uh, do a write-in. Am I right uh, to explain? Well, let me just put this in perspective. We're Go not ahead. doing a write-in because a write-in, you know, you're very difficult to win. Okay. Let me just put this in perspective. We didn't lose to Chris Banks. Chris Banks ran against us three, four times. We beat him every time he ran. Every time we run, it's not against the opponent. It's against the machine. Yes. We beat the machine for 20 years. Starting in 2001, we put together an Operation Power 
and we wiped the machine out. Not only did we beat them for the city council seat, we beat them for the state assembly seat. We were the male and female district leaders, Inez and I. We beat them with the judicial delegates, those are the ones who picked judges. We beat them with the county committee seats, and we took over the community board, and we beat their judge in our district and literally wiped out the Democratic club in my district. Every black and brown community has a Democratic club that controls the local politics in the entire community. And the Democratic club, the Kings County Democratic Organization in Brooklyn, is the largest and most powerful Democratic organization in the country. We beat them. And after whipping them in 2021 and and on, we were able to deliver three new $88 million schools. We were able to bring in 20,000 units of affordable housing, stop gentrification, stop Walmart, got three political prisoners freed, had the first reparations bill ever passed in the state assembly, was able to get $50 million worth of scholarships for CUNY students, able to get seven parks renovated for over $70 million. I can spend the rest of this program uh, listing the accomplishments for 20 years. Then in 2021, I beat, I, you know, I, Inez stepped down from the state assembly, so the machine got that seat back. In 2021, they tried to take me out of the city council, and I beat the machine again. That was two years ago. I got 8,000 votes, and the machine got 6,000 and change. From 2023, we were doing what we usually do in the campaign. Most of the people that support me, you got this, man. You beat this guy so many times. They didn't come out. They thought I had it. And we ran a regular campaign like we always do to beat them. But this election was an anomaly because there was no other races on top, no mayor, no county, no um, the borough presidents, no governor, nothing. The turnout was low. 10,000 people stayed home. Two years ago, 15,000 people came out. 5,900 people came out for this race. They thought because I supported the retirees, the unions all went against me, that that was the reason why we didn't win. But that wasn't it. They only got 3,000 votes. I got 2,500. 8,000 votes two years ago, 2,500 votes now. All of that they invested in only 3,000. My people thought I had it. They got complacent. And they got the seat back. And I haven't said that. I'm not a professional politician. I'm a professional revolutionary. I'm going to continue to provide leadership in that district. And here's the benefits even of not being in the city council this time around. One of the um, challenges we had, we were a victim of our success. Because we won and had to keep winning elections for 20 years, the organization remained stagnant. It didn't grow or develop operation power because we had to do the council work, the assembly work, the state committee works, and all of that stuff. Now I'll be freed up. I still have six months, and I'll be freed up on January 1st. 
man, they don't know what they did. I'm going to organize that community, make my organization have thousands. There's another race in 2024. There's another one for the uh, council in 2025. My thing to the media was watch the fire come alive in 2025. And if you get on my nerve, I'm going to knock down the door in 2024. So we're not finished with them at all. Our movement is going to continue. I might run. Somebody else might run. But I'll tell you one thing, Operation Power is going to grow. And then I get a chance to travel around the country and build this black radical movement. I was, matter of fact, the place I'm in now is Pittsburgh. The National Black United Front had their 44th annual convention in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and we were there, and I was telling them, hey, man, don't you be worrying about that. That's just a, a title. That don't stop me from doing leadership. And it's, it's a tactic. It ain't my life. It's a strategy, and we did damn well. For 20 years, we beat a formidable machine with a little bit of people and a little bit of money. Right now, as we speak, there were more than 3,000 people that support me in my district. They stayed home thinking I had it. So I still got that 8,000 to build on against their 3,000 that they got. And we're going to turn that place out. See, we got to understand that we're in a revolutionary battle to make systemic change, not to be in it just to be a politician. That was a strategy and tactic, and we won and achieved it and delivered. Now I could take that model, as I told them here in Philadelphia, we're going to have a black radical convention. Brother from Pittsburgh, uh, Khalid Rahim, <laughs> was a member of the African People's Independent <laughs> Party, he was down. He said, man, yeah, let's do this. We had 12 states represented in last June. We had a national black radical convention, 12 states uh, representing different organizations talking about getting black radicals elected. I have my book that I have written, uh, Speaking Truth to Power. I can go all over the country selling that, all over the city selling that, building our organization. Man, this is a golden opportunity. I'm going to be honest. I was surprised. Some people were shocked that he won. I didn't plan to exit like this, but so be it. It happened. Now let's make the benefit from it. Listen, before I uh, pass it over to Brother Richard, let me uh, say uh, I want you to give a shout while y'all did Pittsburgh to Brother Khalid and Brother Namdi and them from Maryland because I know that. Uh, yeah, Namdi, yeah. <laughs> tell them that I asked for them. Yeah. The, the door is always open for them. I'll be in touch with both of them. But good, let, good, good. Those let, are my comrades. Let me, let me, let me. Before I pass it to Brother Richard, let me read uh, a paragraph from these two articles, and you can comment on them if you want to, Brother Byrne, or you could. Uh, I'll pass it over to Brother Richard. Let me read this first one out of the New York Post because you made a comment uh, a minute ago that you ran against a machine. Let me let me read this. This is from the New York Post. The header says, new boss of NYC's biggest police union vows to become a political force and take down uh, anti-cop politicians. Uh, it says here, Hendry, this guy's name is Patrick Hendry, says he wants to go after uh, anti-cop-hating uh, politicians. Hendry took credit for the defeat of Democrat City Councilman Charles Byrne on Tuesday in primary election after the Police Benevolent Association ran a series of ads attacking 
his anti-cop rhetoric. The union parked a flash, a flashing billboard truck on the street in Barron's Brooklyn district before the election that read, your council member wants to defund the police, fewer cops, more crime, less safety. Uh, the Police Benevolent Association sought to oust Barron in part because he helped block a bill that would have uh, boosted cops' pension uh, when they remained on the job for 25 or 30 years. Now, that was the one out of the New York Post. Let me let, go ahead if you let want me to comment. Resp- let me respond to that one. Go ahead. First of all, first of all, <laughs> this was funny. That truck that they had in my district, it had a big picture of me and had my name real big and under it and said I want to defund the police. People were calling me up. Charles, I saw your truck, man. I'm voting for you. They didn't even know it was the PBA's truck. (laughs) And this guy didn't take us out. Listen, I want y'all to hear this. They got 3,000 votes. You know who else wrote an article, front page? The Jewish press. I was getting getting ready to read that, but but go ahead. So they taking credit. Oh, we're the ones who beat Barron. We have 400 votes. They Ben had 400 votes and lost. The PBA Ben supported my opponent and lost. They invested a lot of money and time for 3,000 votes. That's what they get without the PBA. Every time we've run against the opposition since 2021, I mean, 2001, they got 3,000 votes. All of that investment of unions, unions, the PBA, the Jews, everybody claiming we're the ones. The union said, oh, we got them because he supported the retirees bill. Uh, We got them out because all of us are put. We beat y'all every time you came against us. This was an anomaly. (laughs) 3,000 votes. So not everybody's claiming you know, that's an honor. We beat the great Charles Barron. You know, so much so that you got to do articles now, <laughs> 10 different people claiming they beat me. I'm a bad man. <laughs> let, well, let, <laughs> let me let me read this one before I turn it over to Richard. This come out of the Jewish Insider. The header says, anti-Israel candidate toppled in New York City uh, primary. Uh, the article says, the Jewish community activists are hailing the election results of uh, city council race in Brooklyn this week, where an incumbent long accused of anti-Semitism is expected to be unseated. In East New York, Charles Barron, a black radical socialist who has made incendiary claims about Jews in Israel, conceded to Chris Banks, a Democrat insurgent, with backing from organized labor as well as a powerful congressman. The stunning upset on Tuesday was yet to be officially called uh, was a forceful repudiation of a veteran lawmaker who has frequently antagonized the Jewish community throughout (laughs) throughout his decades-long tenure in public office. Barron Barron has said that Israel should never have been created and suggested that black people are the real Semites along with other provocations. Dov Heinken an Orthodox Jew leader from Brooklyn who served with Barron in the state assembly said the councilman's uh, concession is a welcome surprise and it's music to my ears, he told the Jewish insider. 
Now, this is the part that that uh, I want the listening audience to hear. It says, Barron, for his part, was among several candidates who had backing from the CUNY union. But if the endorsement was not a significant factor in his own race, K.C. Johnson, a professor of American history at Brooklyn College and a CUNY graduate, uh, said it was entirely possible the issue had an indirect effect. To me, Banks' core argument was that Barron was out of touch and didn't deliver for the district, Johnson told uh the Jewish insider that Barron spent time minimizing anti-Semitism at CUNY and kowtowing to the PSC rather than delivering for the district. Uh, in addition, uh, excuse me, rather than delivering for the district, uh, additional items was uh, bolstered in Banks' message. Banks also received a boost from the councilman's longtime enemy, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, whose political director, Andre Richardson, worked on the campaign. Jeffries, who ran against Barron in a contentious 2012 congressional primary, has long opposed, has long supported Banks, who has challenged Barron and his wife multiple times. I and got whipped. <laughs> and got whipped. <laughs> See, I don't even give all of that a play. You know, like, all of this play that you're giving up, they're lies. You should not give lies a play. Nobody it. can say we did not deliver. Banks' whole campaign was, I didn't do nothing. I don't show up in the community. You take a walk with me through my community, <laughs> and as I always do. See, I don't like to respond to to, to idiots, foolishness, well, listen, lies. I, I know you don't. They know, I, damn, they know damn well. Nobody can say we didn't do nothing. But I just wanted, my, my worst enemies don't say that. I just so wanted, I don't even give that kind of stuff a play. It doesn't deserve a hearing. Now, if there was some legitimate criticism, that's what you should you should you can put out there, but not foolishness like that. I, I wanted because, the community to hear what they're saying in reference to. Uh, but they the don't need to hear what they're saying because they're lying. <laughs> you know, I think we need to tell the truth. If somebody's going to lie, I shouldn't have to sit up here and have to defend a lie. You know, if you have a legitimate criticism, like the Israel stuff, that's a legitimate criticism. Yes, I did say Israel should not have been a state. I say that today, and I did say the blacks, people are the anti, the Semites and not the European converts to Judaism. That I don't mind dealing with. But that stuff that we didn't do nothing, I know. and, you know, that stuff you should not put out there because <laughs> it's a lie. And why would you want me to respond to a lie or let the audience hear a lie and give it more life? <laughs> See, I think the only thing that should be put out there is legitimate criticism. I definitely said Israel should not be a state. Israel is a settler, racist, terrorist state that stole Palestinian territory. I've been to the Gaza Strip, and I see the damage they've done there, and I brought humanitarian aid to the Palestinians. That I don't mind dealing with. But when people say ain't do nothing, you know, <laughs> I was in a debate with Banks and it was for 45 minutes, and I said, 
at the end to give them a chance. I said, you know, we've been at it for 45 minutes. You didn't say a single thing that you've done in the community. I listed a thousand things. And the only thing you say in campaign is what you read to the people. I didn't do nothing. I don't show up. I'm out of touch. You try walking through my community with me and you couldn't get 10 steps without somebody honking their horns or praising me or whatever. I asked them, I said, Banks, we had it for 45 minutes. This is our closing statement. I'm going to give you a shot. Why don't you tell the people what you've done? You spent the whole 45 minutes attacking me with lies. Tell them what you've done. The brother said, uh, they can look on my website because he's done nothing. And Hakeem and him, I beat them five times already. This was an anomaly because there were no, I mean, 10,000 people stayed home. Two years ago, 15,000 people came out, and now 5,900. We took it for granted that we were going to win again. That's why everybody's shocked. He's even shocked. But all of that, and remember, they only got 3,000 votes. So I don't like giving them a play when they don't deserve it. To have an intelligent person like me, a productive person like me, a revolutionary radical that producing, I got to respond to an idiot, a fool, saying stuff that just ain't nowhere near the truth. If it was an intellectual challenge, bring it. If it was a challenge of substance, bring it. But not nonsense. <laughs> Richard, jump in. <laughs> yeah, you know, Brother Barron's, um well, I'm, I'm glad that you're saying, well, there's two things that, um, um, that you're, you're going to give, you're giving more time to, you know, operation power and development right. as an organization. One, one thing that's curious, and, and because I hear this discussion in other places that I think is important, um, the point that you're making now that you're in the position that you're in, the point about beating a machine. Um, and and right. that you being at the black um, national black um, united front, um, you know, um, convening, I think that in a lot of areas, this becomes something that we have to be more con- uh, conscious about from an organizational perspective. Yeah. So could you develop what does that mean for those who have to be on the ground from even the radical tradition or those who are sitting on the sideline? and really don't know that they have to go up against the machine in order to really be, um, take power um, in the political, um, you know, mechanism. What does that mean, beating the machine? See, that's what we need to be talking about, not this foolishness that they're saying. <laughs> the bottom line is for 20 years we beat the machine. What's the, who's the machine? What's the machine? In every black and brown community, there's a Democratic Party club that's operated by the county Democratic Party or the state Democratic Party. 90% of our people vote Democrat. So in those communities like mine, 94, 95% of the people are Democrats in my beloved East New York. You, you can't, you go third party, you can forget it because when it comes to November, they blindly vote Democratic. Your only hope right now until we develop further is to win in the democratic primary. 
The machine is all of the incumbent elected, Democratic elected officials, usually black. The machine is the governor, the mayor, the congressperson, the state assembly person, the, the council person. That's part of the machine. The other part of the machine is lawyers. They have a battery of lawyers that will knock you off the ballot, a battery of lawyers that helps their candidates get on the ballot. Then they have Wall Street and the real estate industry, millions of dollars. So they raise millions of dollars for the candidates, for the incumbents, and for the ones you're running against. So in every area, if you try to run, the machine controls the district leaderships. And the district leaderships hire, on election day, 300 workers to work inside the polls. So their people are inside the polls. They're out raising you for money. They'll challenge you when you get your signatures to get on the ballot if you don't know what you're doing. Their lawyers will knock you off the ballot. They have connections to the media. They have connections to the unions. This is the machine. And what we should be talking about, not the stupidness that they're saying, is the miraculous legacy that we have of beating the machine for 20 years. All that I just mentioned to you is what we beat for 20 years. Now we need to take that model and go across the country, wherever blacks are in the majority, and I have in my book an article, How to Beat the Machine, and let's get busy. Because we can beat the machine, because Inez and I and Operation Power, we did it. And you know what? We're not finished. We're not finished. I got young people we were training. Are they going to be running? We're not finished. But we did it, and we delivered after we beat the machine, the schools, the housing, the youth centers, the new libraries, the scholarships, jobs, you name it, getting political prisoners freed, a reparations bill. We did it. That's what we should be talking about, not what some idiot is saying. And, and, and drilling, drilling down, because um, one thing when you mentioned um, Hakeem Jeffries and beating him, um, you know, the five times, um, the question about and, and, and who makes up this machine, um, because black people vote, voted for a, a lot of these people, and you mentioned a lot of these people that's a part of this Democratic machine are are a part of, I guess, with, is it safe to say the Negro leadership? Um, what, what, what should we know um, based off of this 20-year history? How, how right. has that they, their, their view in relationship to what they're about as being members of the machine, what, what did you um, learn from them about what do they see their role as a part of being a part of this democratic club and this democratic machine. Well, that is not difficult. These are some sellout neo-colonial black puppets of the democratic party. <laughs> Hakeem Jeffries is a paper tiger. He's a superstar in the national arena. The only reason why he has that seat is because he's a puppet for Nancy Pelosi. Barbara Lee was running for the seat he had prior to this. Barbara Lee was in for almost 25, 30 years. She was a friend of the Black Panther Party. She was from California. She worked under Ron Dellums, a radical progressive 
Congressman Robert Lee should have had his position. But Nancy Pelosi took this dude who came from Wall Street, not no part of our struggle. He came out of a white law firm in Law Street, Wall Street. He loves the Jews, wears a yarmulke more than he does a kufi. He is, is crazy about capitalism. He brags about being a capitalist. He's a puppet for Nancy Pelosi. She stopped Barbara Lee from getting it because she can't control Barbara Lee. She can control him. In his backyard, in his district, his protege, Walter Mosley, had Hakeem's assembly seat. The DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, got an unnamed, n- unknown person. Hakeem couldn't even save his own seat. And then a senatorial seat came open. DSA beat him again in his own district for a senatorial seat. And then in this last election, they were predicting a red wave that the Republicans would win so many seats. It didn't happen across the nation, but it did happen in Hakeem's New York. They lost four Democratic seats under Hakeem to the Republicans. And I beat him five or six times with his candidate that won this time. So now he's flexing. Oh, we beat the mighty Charles Barron, you know, and the Jews. Oh, we finally beat him. I beat the Jews. Every time they ran somebody against me, I whipped them. This was an anomaly. And, and if I could get one more and, and in the same vein, because I, I understand as far as Hakeem um, being um, picked and why he was picked, you know, but when we get, because a lot of people, you know, and I hear that's at the local level, they don't, they're, they're, these people who are part of this club and this machine, they don't really see them. So I'll, I'll ask it this way. Is these people cultivated or this is just their motivation as being, um, I characterize, political entrepreneurs. Are they brought through this as a process, you know, trained, um, developed, so that they could be able to be a part of this machine? Or is The only it just- thing you have to do to be a part of the machine is be willing to be a yes person, to willing to be under their control, willing to do whatever they tell you to do. That's the only requirement. And you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to have any leadership skills. The, the ones that have the seat now, the one that has the assembly seat and the one that just won this um, council seat, they are embarrassing. My biggest criticism of the machine, and I know them, so I talk to them. Ed Towns is a part of that machine, Congressman Towns. And I used to say him and Jeffries used to be against each other, but they team up against me. I said to Towns, I said, you know, Ed, I'm going to beat you again the times I kept beating him. But I said, my problem with you, Ed, and I have a big problem with this, you picked some idiots to run. And that's a damn shame because that tells me you don't love black people. Mm. You don't love this community. For you to want this fool to get in says that you have no love or respect for black people. Your only you want is someone that you can control. Mm. And that's a damn shame. At least get somebody, like if one of you brothers, I know y'all would never be with the machine, but let's say one of you were with the machine and you were running against me, I would say it's a win-win. If I beat the machine, I'm going to continue my quality of leadership and productivity. If one of you brothers get it, we still going to have some quality and productivity. 
But that's not what happens. They have idiots. These folk are embarrassment. That's why he would always attack me because he did nothing. They don't read nothing. They don't study nothing. I mean, it's an embarrassment to have these folks in office, but the machine can run Donald Duck and beat you. And in this instance, they happen to have done that. They can run <laughs> Donald Duck and beat you because they have a machine that knows how to get you on the ballot, raise money for you, election day operation, a bunch of mailings they'll do for you, door to door they'll get pay people to knock on doors for you. That's the machine, and we beat them for 20 years. And, and Elliot, the only, you know, as I listen to Brother Barron, the, the point he makes in relationship to, um, and he said all that they invested, and he gave an outline of what that investment means as people knocking on their doors. I think it's important for us to also real, you know, recognize the character and the work of Brother Barron, yeah. you know, relationship to how people, even if this is an anomaly, right? Because you can put people door to door. You can have money, but if people believe in your leadership and you can demonstrate that, um, all that doesn't matter. And I think that's important for those who want to take over their community, what we have to do. Well, let me say this. Let me say it does matter in a sense. It's not like the 3,000 people that voted for him are the 3,000 people that always vote for them. Okay. So they got no increase in the investment. I had 8,000 last time. I got 2,500. My people stayed home. They thought I had it. I thought I had it. Everybody got complacent because we always beat them no matter what they bring against us. But what we didn't take into account is this time there's no races above the city council race like mayor. So the turnout was going to be extremely low. So you had to do more to get your vote out. They didn't even get, like, the last election, I got 8,000, they got 6,000. They got half of what they got last time, 3,000. So it's not like they have some mandate to lead. We just got complacent, thought we had it. My people, even some people got came to me after the election. You know, I got you, Baron. I said, brother, the election's over. What do you mean you got me? <laughs> you know? So uh, that's why I say it's an anomaly. But, you know, ain't no big thing. We're going to keep rolling. We'll get it back eventually, if not sooner. You know, we, we might get it back before he finds out where the bathroom is at City Hall. But the bottom line is that we have to build movements to beat the machine. Here's how you beat the machine. All of that stuff I told you the machine has, right? They pay people to, to do all of this stuff. This is how I beat the machine. I went to community board meeting, and I spoke out articulately, powerfully. Who is he? I went to school board meetings, spoke out. I went to tenant association meetings. I organized around issues that people in the community were concerned about, school closing. They wanted to bring uh, – I wanted to get – coal-fired furnaces out of our schools. I did it. They tried to take the fireboxes out of our community because they said there was too many false alarms. I stopped them. They tried to bring in a, a, a environmentally hazardous incinerator 
emissions would be the PM's particulate matter and carbon monoxide, all that stuff, would have killed us in there. I beat them there. Stop Walmart from coming in. Somebody beat up, please beat up somebody. I organized. I've been on TV, using the media, getting free press. Because I, that's how I beat the machine. People were saying, this guy is doing better than our elected officials. The people said, Charles, why don't you run? You're doing all the work. <laughs> I said, no, for a year. And then I said, you know what? Power. Power is the great equalizer. We have to get power. The power of the city council is they pass the budget. They determine what's going to be built on city-owned land. They make the municipal laws and have oversight over every city agency. That's power. So I said, you know what, y'all? We need to get power. Power, when you get power, racism becomes irrelevant. Because if you have power that someone hates you because you're black is irrelevant. Because they can't do anything about it. You have the power over the institutions in your community, the school system, the police, the cultural institutions, the home, you know, HPD, when you have a sense of some power. So right now, because I had the power for 20 years, East New York is not gentrified because the developer has to come to me if he wants to develop something on city-owned land. I have the last word in it. And I make them make it affordable to our income not to their definitions of before. That's power. I didn't even have to have a demonstration, press conference, scream and holler. I said no, because I knew the zoning committee had the application. The chairperson calls me up. Baron, LU346 is in your district. You want it? Based upon what I say, that application lives or dies. That's power. <laughs> Thank you for that. Brother Barron, I'm, I'm glad that you're out there with Brother Khalid, Brother Namdi, and them because it's organizing going on all across this country. Serious That's organizing. Right. And we got a, we got some brothers here on the line. Um, and if anybody uh, speaks now, I'll give you an opportunity to come back in the second portion of the program. But let's go to Mississippi. A front down there is, that's going on, and, and one of the brothers down there, Brother Patrick, is doing a lot of organizing. I think this might be him. Let's go to 662. 662? Maybe that's not him. I thought it was. Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot. Yes, sir. Good evening, Brother Richard. And my good evening, my dear Brother brother Ben. How you doing, my family? I'm doing great, sir. Uh, praise be to Allah. You know, Brother Ben, I, I said to you a few weeks ago when Brother Elliot and Richard had you on there, and well, before I say that, I told Brother Elliot just the other day, I said, don't worry. I said, Brother Brown will be back in Austin because that Negro, that do nothing Negro banks, when they, once they see how sorry he is, I said, he'd be out of there in one term. So I'm not, that's like, that's, that's like a, uh, 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 no, it's not like a, like a little bump in the road, and that's about it. But you know, Brother Brown, as I said to you a few weeks ago when you was on with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, you, you remind me, like I say, of people like here in Philadelphia, the late, great Dave Richardson and the late, great Milton Street, because you're a black man first and you're a politician second. And see, unlike House Negroes like Al Sharpton and Hakeem Jeffries and that ilk, you know, you, you're unapologetically black and stuff like that. Now, 
here, now, but from what I know, Brother Brown, of you as, as a human being, as a man, I have never heard you get on TV or radio and 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 uh, and uh, say any and wish any harm on white Jews or, or whatever like that, because you did speak out against the evil and like you said about the state of Israel being created and stuff and the false pretense. Because what, see, what a lot of people don't know, Brother Brown, is historical fact. You can't find this state of Israel no map before 1947. That's a documented thing. Look at any map right. in the world. That's right. And you can't That's find right. Israel nowhere or because it's a created state and everything. But see, when you point, especially when you're a black person and you point these things out, they hit you with the anti-Semitic stuff and they, they shake you up and they get the house Negroes to, to, to come after you too. And see, and, and, and like for example, you give example, we had all these you got this recent uprising in Jenna where they over there killing innocent Palestinian men, women, and children. And they even even in past mm. encounters. Mm. Now, here you got Sharpton, who calls himself a, a civil rights leader under the mode of Dr. King. And you know how Dr. King spoke out against our, any kind of oppression, especially our oppression. But Sharpton and, and people like him, Hakeem Jeff, and all the rest of the Negroes, you ever notice, uh, Brother Bam, they got the they got the word that the white man or the white Jews told them to say. Whenever they, they don't even deal with it themselves. Now, I think Sharpton's supposed to be a civil rights and human rights leader, but he never brings up the Israeli-Palestinian conflict unless a right. politics, because they play this show here in Philadelphia in syndication. Right. And like when they had the one that happened the other year ago, when a caller asked Sharpton about it, first thing that Negro said, oh, I'm for a two-state solution. Look, I, mean, that's, I mean, that sounds so crazy and vague. vague. Explain what you mean by that, Sharpton. That's all they say, and, that, and they never expand on it. Well, for a two-state solution, because that's what they told to say. You see what I'm saying, uh, uh, Brother Manny told to oh, say yeah. that. But, but they don't have no heart to speak out against these white Jews. And many in Israel and stuff, you got a rabbi over there right now. That I had mentioned to Brother Elliot a few years ago. He called referred. To, he's a close ally of Netanyahu, who's, a, who's another war criminal. He referred to black people as monkeys. Hakeem Jeffrey, and, and, and when he was has to apologize by members of the Israeli press. He not only not he didn't apologize, he doubled down on he see he went to the Talmud, not the Torah, but the Talmud to justify that we was animals and apes and all that kind of stuff. And you ain't heard one word out of Hakeem Jeffries, Gregory Mix, Dwight Evans hand Philadelphia shopping, them cowardly spineless Negroes that open up their damn mouth. I get so tired, brother man, as a sixty one year old black man, I get so tired of these Negroes that call themselves black leaders and black civil rights leaders. They don't open up their mouth when they show do this atrocities against Palestinian people, when they do their atrocities right. against Ethiopian Jews or anybody else. I, I I get so tired of them not having no heart to say anything. But yet but but yet they have no problem jumping on a black person. If, if let somebody black even criticize Israel, whether it's legitimate or not legitimate, here they come. You can't you can't shut them Negroes up. But they don't open their damn mouth when, when these white Jews attack us, call our people names. You, you right. not, let, me I, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me sure. let me interject this. A uh, couple of things. Number one, you sixty-one, sixty-two. I'm seventy-two, and I ain't tired. So don't be tired. That's number one. Yes, sir. Number two. Don't overly focus on them because they don't give a damn what you say about them. The only thing that we have to organize is to take people like that out. That's what we did in East New York. Instead of criticizing towns and all of them, we took them out of office. Mm -hmm. The third thing I want to say to you that I don't have to come back because I ain't going nowhere. And I'm going to out-organize them in East New York, whether I'm in the city council seat or not, just as I did before I was elected. I am a professional revolutionary, not a professional politician. I can be in or out of office, and the impact may even be greater with me out of office. 
So I don't have to work to see if he fails or succeeds or if we take him in or out. I'm going to do my thing no matter who is in. I know that's right, brother. I'm going to rock East New York like it has never been rocked before because now I'm going to get hundreds, if not thousands of people in our organization because I could build the organization the same way I ran a campaign, door-to-door, joint operation power, subways in the morning, Here's a palm card, join Operation Power in the evening at the meetings. Operation Power, mailings, robocalls. Oh, man, I'm going to have a ball building this organization. <laughs> and we're going to do the same thing across the nation. As far as the state of Israel, I remind people that the Heim Weissman, Theodore Herzl, and Heim Weissman, those are the fathers of Zionism. Yes, And they yes. were looking for a homeland for the Jews in Russia and England. And Menachem Begin was a part of the Ergen in England, a a terrorist organization. That's correct. And so they decided that they was going to do Uganda, but they said, no, that's landlocked. They looked at Venezuela. They said, nah, let's take Palestine. Mm Y'all know the Balfour Declaration, Lord Balfour in 1914, 1917, said, hey, look, y'all, Jews, take Palestine mm-hmm. and, and England. We will protect you. And they went into a Palestine and stole it from That's the correct. Palestinians. And then in 1946, 47, and 48, the Nakba, the Nakba happened. And when the Nakba was when they came in there in 47, wiped out 700,000 Palestinians. Mm-hmm. put them in refugee camps, murdered a lot of them, stole their land. And in 1948, when the United States started to emerge as a superpower after the World War, mm-hmm. they formulated the state of Israel, an illegal, immoral, settler state that stole the Palestinians' land after the Nakba. Read the history. Yes. It ain't anti-Semitic. It's the truth. That's That's what happened. They took the West Bank. They took the Gaza Strip. They took the Golan Heights. Golan Heights is Syria. West Mm -hmm. Bank is Jordan. The Mm -hmm. Gaza Strip was a part of Egypt. And they stole all of this stuff and created some bogus state of Israel. And that's what I say, not just to y'all on this radio broadcast. I said that in City Hall. I said it in the State Assembly. I say it every time I open my mouth. And they say I'm anti-Semitic, and I say I can't be because the Semites were black. You're not the Jews of the Bible. You're European converts to Judaism. And, Brother Barry, let me say this in closing. See, Brother Barry, you know you said it, Brother Barry, because like I said at the beginning, you're a man. You're a man. It's like, you know, they, they put that on, um, what's the name, Tombstone. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. And that's what you is. You're, you're, you're a black man first and whatever, you know, politician, whatever they act, and that's why you have no problem speaking truth to power because you can mm-hmm. you can deal with all that foolishness that comes out there. And lastly, Brother Barry, you know, again, you remind me of that late, late Milton Street here, because so, even after, after, the, after, the, after the Negroes and the devils got together and got Milton out, Milton was just as effective 
out of office as he was in office. So I know yeah, exactly. I, see, I see the parallels there. I'm, I'm, I'm in the yeah. losing it. I see the parallels there. That's well, all you look at this, this, this well, as defeat. Because I know you, brother, man, I know your spirit. You're going to be out there working hard for people, whether you're in office or not. Right. You're going to still there get things go. done. And that's, why I love you you. and that's why I love and respect you because you, you speak truth to power. I like the mother Negroes. Like you yeah, said, look, you, when you, get, you need to vote them out of office. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even focus on them Vote them out of office. If you can get them out of office, vote them out. That's the bottom line. You're right. I'll hold you over for the all right, thanks, thanks, Elliot. Thanks, right. brother, man. Allah bless you, brother, All right. man. All right, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Let me go to 646 before we transition over. 646. Hey, Charles, how you doing? Good evening, Elliot and Richard. Charles, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm extremely upset about this because, you know, Charles, they can say whatever the hell they wish about you. But there has been no politician in New York City in the last 20 years that has done more for their community than you. Not one goddamn politician. Not one. Libraries, schools, parks, housing. Not not a damn one. That Jeffries is garbage. He's a white man's dog at best. And at worst, he needs to be treated like the South Africans treat their people. Now, two things I'd like to know. Are you going to be able to keep this guy, Banks, from effing up everything that you done did in that community? Let me deal with that one first. Banks cannot knock down an $88 million school. Banks cannot tear up seven parks that I renovated. Banks right. cannot stop the housing development that I already approved, and more is in the hopper already. He can't do anything about that. I am not concerned about banks. The only thing he can do is try to take credit for some of my stuff because he can't stop any of it. I don't want y'all to give him the power that he just doesn't have. So that's not going to happen. My concern is that we got to get more organized than angry. We got to get organized because that's the only thing they understand is when we organize and take them out of office. Banks is irrelevant. It's the machine. And if it wasn't banks, it'd be somebody else. So I'm not even focusing on him. You know what I'm doing as we speak? When I get back to New York, I'm already meeting with some of the developers to make sure these housing things go through. People are going to be calling me before they call him because he's clueless. He doesn't know what to do. And there's nothing anybody can do, nothing. any. The president can't stop what we did in East New York. It's concrete. It's buildings. It's brick and mortar. You can't stop it. Well, it happens. Well, Charles, Charles, let me say this. That's all I needed to hear because you and I both know they're going to come after him the same way they have come after others. Now, second thing, I don't know if you've spoken to Yusuf Salam yet. Have you? No, I haven't. Um, what we did okay, when well, they let asked me, me to. You, let me say this right quick. I spoke to someone indirectly that knows him. I said, listen, man. You need to speak to Charles because they're coming after you. 
Because they want to do that deal that you helped that sister stop them from doing on the 145th Street in Limit. Now, this is my district. This is my community. So I know a little bit about what's going on and a, a little bit of who the players are in that. And I want to thank you for, for dealing with them in the manner which they did. Now, you said it last time we was on the air about the sister and how they put so much pressure on her that she decided she didn't want the headache no more. And I respect that because I know how these real estate developers are. Now, the thing is this, Charles. I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it straight out. Keith White and his son, to me, are effing jokes. I know them both. I done dealt with both of them. I don't know if they got his best interest at heart because you and I both know everybody else, the machine and the rest of them, wasn't backing Yusef. Now, I don't know Yusef. I've, I've met him once. I don't know if he has the discipline to give you a call. I've been talking to some people that know him. I've been saying, look, whatever you do, brother, give Charles a call. And if you really want to be revolutionary, I always leave him with this. Make Charles your chief of staff. That'll really, that'll really cause First of all, I'll never be anybody's chief of staff, my brother. But I get the point that you're making. I conversation. To, to get a little rise out, but I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that you do speak to them. Well, no, no, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. They asked me to endorse Yousef. I told them that our organization, Operation Power, hasn't endorsed anyone in the last three years. We're moving on another level in terms of endorsements. In the past, we've been we took those lesser two evils. Uh, this one's better than that one. Ain't all that we want, but they're better than this one. We supported Barack Obama the first time he run. The second time, I said I can't. We supported a lot of these knuckleheads in New York State because the white guy was worse and all of that. We're not doing that anymore. And I told them that our organization, and I don't, and I'm not against anybody else doing something different. If you're not anti-capitalist, if you're not anti-imperialist wars. If you're not for reparations, if you're not for freeing political prisoners, if you're not for socialism, don't ask us for anything. We're not doing that anymore. So when they asked me about Yusef, I said he's a fine young man. I know his family, his mother I'm very close with, and I supported him 100%. But Keith Wright and Inez Dickens, and their little internal battle around the machine is bad news. And I don't know how independent he's going to be of Keith Wright. And the reason why he probably hasn't called is because of Keith Wright. And I know Keith yeah, knows that he, he, he probably needs to keep him away from me because they know that if it wasn't for me, that that developer would have had something going on on the 145th Street, me and I, Christian, no and now they'll probably give in to him. So I'm concerned right. about your district now because Keith will probably be running the show. 
Yeah, well, well, you know, his son was his his campaign I manager. I've been, I've been, I've been talking, I've been talking to a few people that I know. They were shocked that um that that Inez didn't didn't win, which yeah, you know, too. based on her history, you know that everybody else in the community basically. Um, was back in Inez, and what was so shocking was that Keith was the only one who was back in Yusuf in the machine. So I, I'm putting the word out there to him. I'm trying to to um, get him. I'm trying to talk to his to his mother and ask her to just have a conversation with you so you can school him to what's about to go down. But if he I'm wanted to be, if, listen, 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 listen. If he wanted to be schooled by me, he would have been called. Keith Wright no, is running I, the show. Keith Wright no, is running the show. We no, open to we open to we open to talking to him anytime he wants. You know, we open to talk to him. I have a good relationship with him and his family. But you know, if they wanted that to happen, they would have been done that. Okay, I agree with that, Charles. But the thing is, this is now going to be a case study, like you just mentioned two minutes ago, in regards to revivalizing that project on the home 45th street and just watch how old perm daddy go come out and all of the others. And the sad thing is you kept that, that, that project from causing nothing but harm to our community. And now because people just don't listen and they have their own, their own agendas, you know what I mean? And they, and, and this is the thing. I can tell you right now the type of kickback that Charles, you know, that the rights are going to get ain't going to be righteous. And and, and I'm no, and I'm telling you that from being in the industry enough to know how some of the, the kickbacks get down when you had individuals like Charlie Rangu and Inez and some of the other deals that they allowed to go through that wasn't beneficial to the community and their pockets got fat. But listen, Charles, I support you. Um, I'm, I'm going to be in my, my, my district, Community 9, Community 10, trying to put the word out there. And um, hopefully, you know, you, you made me feel better knowing that banks ain't going to be able to do anything in regards no, to... No, no, no. He, he can't reverse. He can't reverse anything that, that that's we've all done. I, I, I Nobody it, can. Brother, you done gave me a, a great piece of mind knowing that he can't reverse nothing nope. that, nothing. that you nothing. done. But I, nothing. I know you're going to keep your eye on that, Negro. If Charles, no, I'm not if keeping my... Let me, let me explain something to y'all. Y'all two banks focus. I'm not keeping my eye on banks. I'm keeping my eye on my community to get more That's of us involved and have a vision, a proactive vision, not reacting to banks, not reacting to Jeffries. We beat them for 20 years. We are going to focus on building community land trusts, worker cooperatives, mass movements in East New York to hold everybody accountable that's doing something in East New York. It's going to be bigger than ever before. Well, I ain't studying no banks and, and all that. He's small potatoes. We got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> well, I support you, brother. And, and, and listen, man, I want to thank you, man, for the, for the 20 years and the continuous work that you've done. But ain't nobody 
Ain't nobody gonna never ever say that any politician in New York City has done more for their community than you have, Charles, because there's not a damn one of them. Not one. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Even the Jew, the white boy, the Baba Louis, Puerto Rican, whatever the hell you want to call them, ain't none of them. Ain't not one politician in the last 20 years has done more for their community than you, Charles. No one. And, and that you, should sir. be the record that when you go on Dominic Carter's show, I hope you do now that the now that the punk and him and Earl Lewis, that other punk, may call you on their show. I hope that's your opening statement to Well, you know, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to get a clip to you because I did. They did interview me on New York One, and that's exactly what I did. A Latina sister came to my district, and she did a whole piece. And I took her to the schools, I took her to the housing stuff, I took her to the parks, and they put all of that on New York One. And I changed the whole narrative. I'm going. I'm going on 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 the laptop right now to look for it. In Oh, I'm doing it right now. I'll let Ellie and them know later if they put me back on. Brother, I love you and I appreciate. Love you too, man. Thank you. Peace. I'll put you on hold. Brother Byron, listen, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm glad you came on with us. Uh, and 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 um, we've had several organizers from around the country that's doing radical organizing. They're gonna mm. need, they're gonna need your help. I'm gonna be in touch with you to put you in touch with them. Please do. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and you know, for me, if you hear me get impatient with talking about those folks, because they don't talk about you, they don't care about you. They keep getting to our people. We have to organize, 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 as Kwame Torre said. <laughs> uh, we have to keep organizing. You know, they don't care whether you're angry at them. They don't care whether you call them Uncle Tom, sell out Sambo's, Ancient Mamas. They could care less. You can't beat them. <laughs> That's the only thing. And we beat them for 20 years. And we're going to beat them some more. Out of office, we're going to kick their butt. In, of us, in office, we're going to kick their butt. It doesn't matter. Of course, I wanted to still be in. Of course, I'm, I'm, you know, didn't didn't expect that to happen. But so what? It happened. Now I'm going to make the best of it. You watch what I do with this. <laughs> I'll be in touch, Richard. I didn't lose Richard. Did Richard? No, yeah, okay. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just, uh, as you're saying, um, Brother Barron. You know, and I hope that all of us can keep this focus about it's just about us doing the work. <laughs> yeah. If we keep the consciousness of victory and just do the work, I, what I hear all this other stuff, it just really bothers me. I'm sorry, but it just bothers me because it doesn't project a vision of what tomorrow we're trying to create. It doesn't give the strategy of what we have to do, and it doesn't give who are the oppositional forces that we are dealing with while we're deal- doing the work. And other but than we, that, just, uh-huh. just talk. See, see, no, real quickly, so protect your vision. Let's protect our vision. Let's talk about what we want in and out of the electoral arena. Let's talk about what we think the ideology should be. It's time. Let's talk about that <laughs> rather than these Negroes, because they don't talk about you like, see, they were, they, one thing about the machine, they never quit. They're persistent. 
I kicked their butts for 20 years. And you know me, I come from the neighborhood. I talked trash while I was kicking their butt. <laughs> I was saying, I'm going to beat you so bad, you ain't never going to. I mean, I was in their face. I saw a couple of them. I said, look at the three stooges. Y'all ain't beating me. So, you know, I mean, I was talking to this community rejected you. They're going to reject you again. You ain't this and that. You're a clown. You're nah. I did that and beat them. So now that's why they hate me so much because I get down like that. And my wife is, see, my wife is class. I'm crass. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking to be classy. But um, now I ain't playing with them no more. You know, I'm focusing. I ignore them now. My, my attempt is to ignore them and focus on the 15,000 people that stayed home. We have 60,000 registered voters in the 42nd Council District, which is 90% black and brown. At max, 15,000 came out to vote. That means 45,000 stayed home. And in this race, 6,000 came out to vote. That means almost 54,000 stayed home. Wow. That's what we got to get to. Brother Byron, I'll be in touch with you, and thanks for your work. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate both you brothers, man. Straight ahead. I'll talk to you right. again. Thanks, sir. All right, now. Richard, uh, Brother Byron, focusing in on those ones that stayed home, that reminds me of Cynthia McKinney, which she said, Richard. Who's standing on the sidelines. Yep. Wow. Listen, we uh, we going from a, a radical activist up north organizing to down south. Uh, activist organizing brother wc johnson gonna be with us after the break you hold on after the break it's uh 8 17 one time for an awakening sunday edition we'll be right back To Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. 
RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it Is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. of the kinds of victories that were won by the Southern Freedom Movement, uh, black people occupy far more establishment positions 
than they did back in my day in the in the 1960s. So in a sense, you also have a struggle with 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 a kind of black establishment <laughs> that has a vested interest in the status quo. So you're up against a, 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 a an establishment within the black community that we never had to face because it didn't exist <laughs> because of segregation and discrimination. And that makes their task, if they want to organize, much, much more difficult with respect to the black community than what we had to face. Today, our people can see that we're faced with a government conspiracy. This government has failed us. The senators who are filibustering concerning your and my rights, that's the government. Don't say it, Southern Senators. This is the government. This is a government filibuster. It's not a segregationist filibuster. It's a government filibuster. Any kind of activity that takes place on the floor of the Congress or the Senate, that's the government. But this government has failed us. The government itself has failed us. And the white liberals who have been posing as our friends have failed us. And once we see that all these other sources to which we've turned have failed, we stop turning to them and turn to ourselves. We need a self-help program, a a do-it-yourself philosophy, a do-it-right-now philosophy. Uh, It's already too late philosophy. This is what you and I need to get with. And the only time, the only way we're going to with a self-help program. Before we can get a self-help program started, we have to have a self-help philosophy. Black nationalism is a self-help philosophy. What's so good about it, you can stay right in the church where you are and still take black nationalism as your philosophy. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 825 on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, Bridget. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> before we introduce uh, our second guest, uh, you know, I put that clip on there with uh, uh, Charles Cobb and what he said about uh, young people organizing now, young black organizers and what what they're going to have to face and something that he didn't face when he was organized in the 60s because it didn't exist. Um, (laughs) And then uh, listen, that, that, that's, that's real. That's something that, uh, that we're going to have to deal with. Because and he realizes that I'm I'm glad he said it on the program and I made sure that I saved that and put it among some of those other voices uh, because our people need to hear that from from veteran organizers involved in the struggles for decades giving warnings to some young black organizers what they're going to have to face and 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 what um brother Barron spoke about the machine and those people and the clubs those are the people who are part of the machine 
was a part of those clubs that didn't exist when he was organized. Yes. Listen, we uh we talked to a uh, radical organizer in the north. We're gonna go down south to Louisiana and uh, bring back on the program activist and organizer and spokesperson for the New Orleans uh, United Front. Brother W.C. Johnson is with us. Brother West, can you hear me? Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. I think this is it. Brother West, can you hear me? Loud and clear. (laughs) How are you, sir? I'm fine, and how's everyone there? Brother Richard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to have you with us, Brother West. It's good to be with you, believe me. Brother West, let's 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 get right into it. I, I, you know, I know you heard the little tail end of uh, of Charles Barron up there in, in his fight up there in New York City, which is yeah. Which, beside the geographic difference, the challenges for our people is no different whether you're in New York or or New Orleans. It's it's no different. Um, we see some of the things that have happened recently. Uh, the the. Uh, these these attacks on on black studies, whether whether they want to label it CRT, the debate and fight uh, in regards to reparations and the confronting of these Europeans to what they did to our people and to our ancestors, uh, the the decision that was made about the black farmers lawsuit uh, uh, maybe a couple of months ago. Uh, the decision uh, just this morning that I read the report on Tulsa, and we're going to get the uh, 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 Chief Agunwali back on to talk about that because he was just on two weeks ago talking about it and the struggle that they had. And we see the courts and what they said, Richard, in regards to uh, the living descendants and our ancestors in Tulsa, and also yes. and also the 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 court's decision dealing with affirmative action. All of these things let our people know if we're following, and we don't even have to follow the tea leaves. If we see what's going on, it gives a clear message to our people what we must do and how we must organize. Brother West, I want you to take it from there because you you penned a couple of articles in relation to this, and I want you to give your perspective as an organizer that's been on the front, the battlefront for a number of decades, what are we looking at and how must we, how must we organize from your perspective moving forward? We're looking at death and destruction unless we begin to understand those tea leaves and begin to follow the tea leaves. You know, today in 2023, we have more, educated black folks than we've ever had in this country, yet we are worse off today than we've ever been in this country. Now, I listened to Brother Charles earlier, and he is correct. We have to organize, but not only do we have to organize, but we have to fulfill whatever we say will happen, we must make happen. We have to be committed. I mean, you you mentioned about what has happened with the education in this country, what has happened 
with reparations in this country? What has happened with everything that is black in this country? And we keep putting it on individuals or positions when the truth of the matter is it is the government. That is true and correct. The government is keeping us from advancing. And the only reason why they're able to keep us from advancing is because too many so-called black folk have a, a vested interest in the government. And, and those of us that don't have a vested interest in the government have to push forward to penalize those Negroes that are holding us up and keeping us back. Now, I pinned a couple articles that you mentioned, and the one that I talked about was a decision from the Supreme Court, which now reverses affirmative action. We have to realize and understand what they're saying to us, and they're telling us that in 2023, black people are in the same station, the same position that they were in 1865 and beyond that. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take for this butt-whipping to continue before black folks start deciding it's time to at least whip some butt yourself, but that's what it's going to take. That's what's necessary. And we are too complacent. We, we will not stand up and accept the responsibilities that we have as adults, as black people, and especially as caretakers over our children and our culture. One of the problems that I find with the normal black politician is that the black politician has been empowered to keep black people weak, to keep black people on their knees, to keep black people from advancing and moving forward. Now, with this decision from the Supreme Court, what my, what, what my suggestion was is black people now need to go into self-imposed segregation. And the reason I'm suggesting that is because black people advanced greater when they were separated from white folks than they have since they've been enjoined to white folks. And we have to call a spade a spade. We have to realize where our strength and power is, and we have to act on it. We can't just talk about it or hope and wish. And the biggest problem is, especially with the critical race theory, is black people do not know who they are, where they came from, and where they need to be going. And if we allow white folks to destroy, wipe out the history of black, then we're going to be annihilated and perish like so many others have already done. Now, 
I talk about black rule, and I, I, I purposely talk about black rule because most black folks have no idea what black rule is. Most black folks don't understand or realize that black people were in charge of everything throughout the world long before white folks came on the face of the planet. And we have allowed white folks to usurp our power, usurp our responsibilities, and tell us that we were less than human, less than half. And we have been going along that, following that guideline ever since. The Republic of New Africa talked many, many years ago about five states and those states becoming the, the permanent territory of black people in this country. And the Negroes fought and they're still fighting to make sure that that doesn't happen. If we begin to impose a self segregated society and community, we can begin to build our power base, our power foundation to begin to control our communities, our people, and our future. And that's where we need to be looking at and where we need to be going. Brother West, um, looking at because you you mentioned it in, in your article here, and, and we talked about it briefly last week. And I'm going to just read this uh, a couple of uh, par- a sentence here. It says, uh, the Supreme Court decision in stopping affirmative action in education is just the beginning uh, of a total death of affirmative action in all aspects of life for black people in America. So what you're saying is, this is not just limited to education, even though that's what they're saying. Because we talked last week about lawyers from different companies, McDonald's, American Airlines, and others, after that decision was made, already investigating how they can reverse their hiring uh, policies based on this uh, decision that was made. So you got companies that wasn't really have hiring black people anyway. The, the joblessness and the unemployment rates is still off the hook in this country. So with the requirement, the so-called government requirement to hire a certain percentage of blacks uh, being lifted or played with, that'll really put black people as a whole behind the eight ball and a more evidence of the destruction of the black family. Uh, uh, talk about it from that perspective of what we can do, because and, and now this is just my suggestion and I, and I'm I'm a, I'm leave it up to you as a veteran organizer that's been out here in the vineyards for a while with them saying for example this education that uh you know affirmative action is going to be abolished in these uh, uh institutions of higher learning this would give black people an opportunity to strengthen their own institutions by sending their children to uh, black historic colleges, HBCUs, even the ones that's uh, uh, quote-unquote gifted in these sports, because a lot of these other schools that, that don't want you there on campus normally, 
do want you there so you can play sports and make money for them. So if we start as a whole directing our children to go to black black institutions, this can be a benefit for black people. <clears throat> just, I mean, give me some ideas from your perspective. And am I off well, base of in all, saying that? First of all, you're right. We're going to have to start patronizing our own like we did when we were segregated. But more than that, we have to redo the ideology, the thinking, the, the narrative of all of these institutions because they're so corrupted with the ideology yes. of the slave master until all they're doing and have been doing is just pumping out more slave masters. And that is a problem. The other problem is we as blacks have accepted as truth the stories, the lies, the myths that whites have been spreading all over the past thousand years and more. And this is what is causing us to default as a people, as an organization. We, we have to redo everything that we come into contact with. We have to redo everything that we are involved with, even our own organizations, because our own organizations are not working for us. I mean, you know, the, 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 um, the original suspects, the NAACP, the Urban League, um, all of these organizations that claim to be for black folks or Negroes or, or uprising and bring us up pulling us up by our bootstraps are all have the same common bond. And that is to make sure that white folks stay in charge and the, uh, the status quo is not broken up at all. And that includes those that are highly religious. And I don't care what denomination, what religion you belong to, but the bottom line is, if you look at it, religion have handicapped us, and they have put us in a bad position. But the worst thing of all is very few of us know that black people created these religions. And that is something that we have to come to grips with, because it has been used to handicap, it has been used to enslave, and it has been used to keep us continually in front of that cue ball because that's where the damage comes from. That cue ball, that white ball on the pool table that just comes out to, to wreak havoc with us. And if we don't start organizing um, uh, 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 around what's best for black people today and what will be best for black people tomorrow, then we will not have a tomorrow. And that is where we need to put our concentration on tomorrow, making sure that there's going to be a tomorrow and that black people 
will be able to enjoy the position that they once held under black rule. Richard. You know, as I was listening to you, Brother Weston, you know I always have respected um, your view. And so uh, I, I picked up some things, and I just want I guess, you know, to we, we recognize that uh, self-imposed segregation should be a strategy. I mean, um, you know, taking out the history part, you know, which raises my first question. Um, do you, you know, and, and this came up earlier in, in another venue, and that's why I'm raising the question just to see how you react. Do you think that the the point of what you're asking, you know, when you mentioned the um, the Republic of New Africa looking at five states, and then earlier in an earlier period was looking at Oklahoma, do you think that we are anti-migration in the 21st century the way we are anti-immigration of the eight, the 19th century in relationship to when you know was talking about um, going to Africa? It's the same kind of attitude amongst this generation as far as migrating to um, spaces um, as a political and visionary move and as a power move, the same you know, has the same sentiment as it was not wanting to immigrate out of America um, during the 19th century. We're unfortunately, as a people, caught in a vacuum. And that vacuum is we have no idea what it is like to be in charge of our own governmental institutions. We have no idea what it's like to be in charge of our own persons, our own being. We have been enslaved and we continue to be slaves. And this is a, this, this is a, a point of contention with most black folks. They want to tell me they're not enslaved. <laughs> But yet and still, you got to go to white folk to get anything and everything you want. And then you can't believe what they tell you because they may tell you yes today, and tomorrow they say, we're rescinding that. We changed our mind. And it's okay. Black folks say, well, all right, you know, Master said they can't do it, so we just do what we can when we can. And we need to stop that. The problems today, as opposed to the yesteryears, is black folks were, were more educated in their culture, in their history, and in their identity than they are today. I mean, we have, we have more Orioles today than we've ever had in the history of this country. And for those, those youngsters that have no idea what Oriole is, is that dark cookie that has that white... Um, mixed in the middle, icing in the middle. And we used to call those Uncle Tom Negroes Orioles back in the early days. Well, we've got nothing but Orioles that we're producing and creating today. If we didn't, we would we would find ourselves as a people in a better position. But our position keeps slipping further and further away. And all we keep doing is saying, you know, what would Jesus do? Let's put it in Jesus' hands or Muhammad's hands. And I think that that's bucking, that's ducking the, 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 the responsibility that we as a black people have and the responsibility we as a black people must 
in Bray. And, and I have two other, you know, based off of what was said, and it's just for conversation purposes and, and your reaction, um, because it, it also because it's something that I kind of think about. Um, you mentioned about history and the importance of us, um, you know, as a people group um, being centered in our history and, and the importance of, of us as individuals being clear of our historical mission, uh, if I may add, um, which raises this question for me. And I, again, I'm just hopefully I'm not out of, out of sync by raising it. Because do you, when you mentioned about the NAACP and the Urban League, do you think that the organization that Carter Woodson established is is irrelevant as it related to his mission of of producing um, history for us by us as a means to inform us? Is is his mission irrelevant, and is the institution that he uh, initiated in the process irrelevant? In this time, I mean, you know, it's interesting because I doubt whether our youngsters today, young black children today, even know who Carter G. Woodson is and what he did. I doubt that seriously because what he put into practice in his day is as relevant then as it is today, maybe more so today. Because he was saying and preaching and teaching that we have to know who we are, where we came from, and what our responsibilities to our ancestors are in order to get to the future. And that's what's missing. We have, we have so many people that have carte blanche accepted the white structure, white society, yes. white morals until we're not, we don't have anything that of our own to replace them with at this time. And if I may, Elliot, you know, and, and, and brother West, you know, this last, because, and I'm raising this because these things, you know, when we try, when you raise about self-imposed segregation, even if we don't move, we can, you know, take agency over our own mind. Um, and these things wouldn't matter. And that's what I heard um, you know, um, Brother Charles Barron speak to even whether it's location or just even over our own paid space that we could take ownership of that. But something that, you know, um, in the clip that Elliot played, and I think that was um, Brother Malcolm, you know, making the point that it's, a, it's the government that's doing this. It's the government that's going against um, the affirmative action. It's the government that um, said that um, the elders in Tulsa doesn't have any uh, standing or, you know, entitlement um, to be addressed. And which made me raise the question of your reflection. Do we as a, again, as a people group, and with the government being like it is, um, do you see us with any kind of leverage? What is our leverage? We are in a government that has been acting the way it's been acting since since they brought us here. What is our leverage to protect or to mitigate the harm that this government does to us as a people group in your mind? Um, Many years ago, I I spent several years in the continent of Africa. When I come back, I would tell people, I said, you know, if we want to destroy white folks, get rid of white folks, if we want to just 
rid ourselves of white folks, yeah, all we have to do is fold our arms and hands and sit down on our behind and do absolutely nothing, and they will kill themselves. I'm sorry, y'all. And, you know, that is, that's what I try to tell black people. We're, we're oppressed because we feed the oppressor. We're oppressed because we allow the oppressor to oppress us. And if we would stop assisting in our own oppression, we would become free from the oppression that plagues us today. Thank you for that. Thank you. You know, um, <laughs> the kind of dovetail on what you just stated I remember when um, the Million Man March happened and thousands of people from different cities and especially Philadelphia went to the march. Uh, Black men took off from work. And some of the ones that didn't go to the march took off from work. So things kind of shut down in a lot of these cities. I think that, not I think, I know that that shook white folks to the core. Yeah, it did. Because they changed the law based on that. That they they seen where blacks had organized themselves through black radio. So they changed that law and put that Telecommunications Act of 1996 out there to destroy black media. Or black black media, because we wasn't on television uh, prompting people to uh, to, uh, go to the Million Man March. That came from black radio. So they made sure that they brought up all of these black stations replaced the host, the conscious host, with all kind of giggling and laughing and satires, the Steve Harveys, and the, the, everybody knows their names, with the giggling yeah. and laughing six days or seven days a week. So this stops any type of conscious organizing, conscious gathering from the from the, the radio uh, 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 lines, as far as they were concerned. But now, you know, we we uh, do have another medium that they have unleashed, which is the Internet and being able to still use these mediums to organize. Now, let me go back because I I just kind of threw that in there to kind of bolster what uh, Richard had mentioned. But you mentioned in one of your articles, uh, The Great Rising, uh, you mentioned the Republic of New Africa, and you state here that um, some of these things is happening uh, to black people now, and you, and you mentioned about the changing of these laws. Let me read this sentence. This would make controlling five southern states practical. This would give black people the opportunity to restructure their culture according to ancestral dictates. Now, we see now that there is a reverse migration going on. In the 20s, 30s, and 40s, black people left the South for jobs and other opportunities that they thought was happening in the North. And now we see a reverse going on, not necessarily for jobs, because they're being forced out of these cities, and they're heading back down South. But by and large, there is no strategy of our people going that they're just moving to the South. But if we would move to the South 
and have some type of consciousness about developing leadership. And I'm not talking about because Charles Byron was on and talking about some of the leadership, Richard, that that is being developed by other blacks in leadership. They want other ones that basically will be yes men. You heard him saying, Richard. Mm-hmm. But if we develop conscious leadership, there is a a major opportunity for us to do just what you're stating in your article, Brother West. Your your thoughts on that? Uh, that's 100% correct. And I will say this. Um, we have learned or been forced to ignore strategy. We have been forced to ignore the development of leadership among black people. They make it as hard as white folks make it as hard as possible for blacks to have a leadership summit among black folks for the sole purpose of creating leadership that will eventually create a black agenda. Now, I've been part of black agendas many years, and all those agendas were co-opted by white folk. I mean, there used to be the, the there used to be a national gathering uh, in this country years ago. The, the 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 something about the world, the the black world view, and they used to bring in all of the good Negro leaders to head it up, and to make sure that our vision was locked in on protecting and maintaining white folk. Mm. Now, we have a lot of black leaders who are able to organize, able to put together a black agenda. And every time they seem to pop up, something happens. It either happens physically to them or it happens in a way that takes their economics away from them or or it takes things away from them that, that, that produces them to be Unaffected. And we have to start stepping up and filling those voids. And anytime something has happened that makes them ineffective, we have to step up and we have to replace that. We have to put it in a, a position where we can continue that thought. But we, you know, we, we've been bombarded all these years. So the last 50, 60 years, we've been bombarded with ways of the the establishment and the society that is going to do everything they can to, to scare black people away from these, these groups, these people, these thoughts that they have that they come up there. But they haven't been able to wipe them out, to kill them. They keep, they keep rising up. And it's going to be the understanding that we don't need a majority people to take over. We don't need a majority uprise. We just need enough key figures 
that can educate others and have them committed to the same ideology that Malcolm X, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, um, um, my, my brother, the uh, Marcus Garvey, we need these. We need these people to uplift us and keep us on the right track. And we're—I mean, we, we embrace white society far too much. I listened to the brother Charles earlier, and this brother—he said he's kicking butt, and he is. But we have to understand that he can't do it alone. Mm. And we have to understand that we have to support those that have an ideology similar to ours until we can't support them anymore. And that means until that their, their position or ideology is standing in the way of us making strategic moves where we can, I mean, look at... Black rule becoming becoming something real again. So we have to be able to sit down and strategize, map this out, and begin to move on. And if we don't, we won't have Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on a on a talk show, radio talk show, that's able to expose others to the mindset and the work that needs to be done. If I may, Elliot and, and Brother West, as a thought, unless you have a question, you want to um, continue the, the no, dialogue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Brother West, and as, as we're talking, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, a thought came to my mind, and, and I've been holding on to this, this thinking, trying to watch the momentum that's going on amongst us. Do you think that um, the movement for reparations. Um, when I say movement, I'm saying the individuals who are engaging, because some in some elements they're engaging in defining their lineage, and other elements they're defined they're you know they're finding um, what they demand or they expect. Do you think that 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 um, it has the potential to um, move towards, and I'm gonna call this towards this self-imposed segregation? Um, um, as a strategic vision, this, this moment of, of reparations? Um, I wrote a book on reparations, and I'll say this to you. I don't see reparations being a vehicle by which we can organize or even move towards self-imposed segregation simply because reparations is a handout. It's begging somebody to repay you for wrongs that have that have happened over a period of time. And white folks have made it clear they don't give a damn about black folks. They don't care what they did in the past, and they don't care what they're going to do today or what they're going to do tomorrow to us. So I believe personally that reparations should be something that we use as a tool to teach our history as to what it is. But 
I hear when I there's something going on in California now about the reparations, and they're talking about a million dollars a person. I look at it this way: they have they have put in just a small segment of the harm that has happened to black folks here in this country. And that harm that happened in this country comes from a harm that has happened throughout this world. So if we're going to put a formula for reparations together, we need to include all of the harm that has uh, happened to us in every nick and, and cranny of the world during the last 6,000 years that these devils have been on here doing what they've been doing to not only our people, but to this earth. And they should be made to pay for that. Now, personally, the only payment that I, I feel comfortable with is, is for them not to be in existence anymore. And that's the only payment I think everybody would be happy with. Wouldn't have to worry about much after that. But I'm not comfortable going out looking for reparations from somebody who I know is not going to give me reparations and that cares less about me than they care about a grasshopper or anything else that they, they find insignificant. They have killed too much life on this planet for us to be going to them and asking them for anything. We should be finding ways to get them out of our way because they're destroying not only our people, but they're destroying this planet. And that's totally, with me, totally unacceptable. I know, you're, uh, Elliot, you probably get rid of me after this, but I can't help myself, and I know this is internet radio. What do you but mean? It, bring, <laughs> it brings me to what Brother West, Brother West thought brings me to what, uh, at that point, uh, Brother H. Brett Brown had said, stick them up, motherfucker. I'm coming to get what is mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Brother West, um, you know, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about um, blacks that are, in fact, the voice I played in that collage was Charles Cobb, who uh, who was one of the early organizers, and he organized the Freedom Schools down in Mississippi, and he was an early organizer down in Mississippi in the early 60s. And I don't know whether you, you probably caught what he said about the challenge that young black organizers have now that they didn't have when he was organizing is a a, a, a a cadre of black people in leadership that want to maintain the status quo. He said they didn't have that uh, at that time because it didn't exist, but now it does. Now, I'm saying that, and, and, and I just want to read this because the media media is a, is a powerful tool and it's used to control the minds of the masses and especially when you're talking about black people now I, I just want to share this with you and get your thoughts 
and the listening audience, just in case they might not be aware. Um, Richard mentioned last week when we had the vice chair of the California Reparations Committee on about people involved uh, that uh, the quote-unquote legacy organizations that might not be on the same page with the the masses of people. Am I get, I'm getting that right, Richard? Yeah. Now, let me share this with you, Brother West, to get your thoughts. The NAACP is having their convention in Boston at the end of this month, July 26th to August 1st. And let me read the first paragraph here and and the, the keynote speaker. It says, uh, the 114th NAACP convention, July 26th to August 1st, will focus on the theme of striving together. Elected officials, activists, organizers, faith leaders, entertainer, change makers, NAACP members will convene to celebrate the black community's collective power through workshops, plenary sessions, and panel discussions. We will forge a path forward on the most pressing issues facing the black community today. Voter suppression, student debt, affirmative action, police brutality, reproductive rights. So it says, in essence, that they're meeting together to forge a path to deal with these particular issues. And the keynote speaker is Hillary Clinton. The keynote speaker is Hillary Clinton. I repeat. And just let me read some of the other speakers. Now, Ayanna Presley is speaking because she's the representative up there in Massachusetts. Uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, civil rights activist, it says. Um, Bishop Vastai McKenzie. Uh, some of these people I'm not aware of. Roman Rome Flynn, he's an actor. Cheryl Underwood comedian and a uh, talk show host Jabari Banks an actor f- for Peacock f- Bel Air Adrian Holmes on the same television show Jasmine Guy from a different world uh, Lamont Rucker uh, Greenleaf a TV show uh, Essence Atkins a reality show the first wives club uh Kadeem Hardison from a different world. Uh, Marcus Scribner uh, from Grownish and Blackish. Now, you got. <laughs> I mean, Brother West, maybe I live in a Twilight Zone or a different reality. What the hell? Listen, Jasmine Guy and Kadeem Hardison might be nice people, but when you're talking about developing strategies to move our people forward, what the hell? What is it? What is what am I looking at? Number one, Hillary Clinton is the keynote speaker. And you got all these other people who didn't do anything in the community. See, this is what I'm talking about. This to me is dangerous to black people, but they'll keep this in front of a certain 
an element of blacks, especially young blacks, and wave this as far in their face as far as this is some type of progress. I mean, well, go, go ahead. I, I, this is just, I mean, it's not like I can't believe what I'm seeing, but this is, this is incredible. Go, go ahead, is, Brother West. This, this is how and why black people are in the condition they're in today. And that is the agenda has been mapped out for us by white folks. And as long as we're following their agenda, everything is all it's right. all right. Yes. Yes. No one has asked why the NAACP in all these years has never been able to come to grips with the people in the street, with the organizations that we have who are revolutionary in, in, in thought and mind, why they've never been able to sit down at a table and have any kind of discussion, why they haven't been able to have any kind of fruitful dialogue. You know, I mean, we're looking at the continuation of slavery when we're looking at people like the NAACP. When we're looking at the uh, stars, the actors of Hollywood, the rappers from the uh, record labels who do us more harm than they do good. Now, there are some that are trying to do something positive, but well, they, they're, they're so far and few between until the gaps are too wide and, and, and we fall between the cracks because we can't bridge the gap from one conscious entertainer to the other. And that's what I'm saying. Black people have to start accepting responsibility. They're not calling this, these people out. Do you realize the NAACP would not be where it is if we would stand up and say we're tired of hearing this, you're doing nothing, and, and we're, we're going to bring about changes? I mean, all of the, the revolutionary organizations over the years, for one reason or another, have been eliminated. And all of the, the Negro organizations that do us harm survive and strive. And there's a problem with that. But we as people in the communities need to have a responsibility that we're not going to take it anymore. We're going to stand up. We're going to organize among ourselves to do what is necessary not to let these people in our community, not to keep feeding them economically that allows them to do this harm to us. We've got to stand on some kind of principle at some point or we're going to end up like the indigenous people. They realized white folks was devils and it was too late when they realized it. We're following that same suit. 
We're acting like they're okay. We're acting like the government is going to do something for us, that's going to help us. Government is never going to help black people. They keep showing you that every day with their, every day they show us that with the Supreme Court decisions, with the murders in the street by the police. All of that is part and parcel to make sure black people do not organize, do not get out of the position and condition that we are in. And we have to even look at the churches, the the religious centers. They're doing everything they can to keep us from advancing. And we've got to be strong enough to call a spade a spade. And until we do, we're going to still be shuffling around out here trying to survive day to day. But survival is not living. That's not the way life was meant to be. And until we understand what our obligations are, we're going to still be going through the same shuffle. Let's go to a couple of these callers here. Let's go to uh, New Orleans, 504. 504, are you there? Let's go to 505. 505. Yeah, um, I'm here, and uh, I, I agree with everything. What's that brother's name? Brother Watson? Is that his name? Wes. Brother Wes Johnson. Brother Wes. Listen. The spokesperson <laughs> for the New Orleans Black United Front. I agree with everything the man has been saying since I've, I've been in the house now about half an hour, 45 minutes. I agree with everything the brother's saying. I've heard it a thousand times before. And uh, the thing is, I don't know what the, well, I know what the problem is, but uh, I've got to give these white people credit. They have done that. They have done the job. They're excellent at what they do. Cause then he, and he do it right in your face. I tell my son all the time, got to stop pointing fingers at these people, man, because they're about survival. They're trying to get to the moon. They're trying to get off this planet. But that brother said about, about how they destroy everything, people, the land, the whole. Now, I'm out here with Native Americans, people that were here before anybody was here. And, I mean, they're really scuffling. They're trying to get their land back. New Mexico, Colorado, all these places, these people just came and just took it from them, ran up the flag develop these laws, it's the laws. You can't fight them because it's their law. When you fight back, they use their law to lock your ass up or kill you. So, I mean, we, I know exactly what the deal is. This book, this book with this woman, Isabella Wilkinson, I believe, about the caste, about caste, the caste system, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the letter. The Germans, the Nazis, the, the Americans, and the South Africans. They're all in collusion with this caste system. So in India, the color thing. So I mean, they they, they got us. We're like rats in a in a in a in a, uh, in a cage. It's amazing, man. These people, we sleeping, we sleeping at the wheel. We ain't even out here. These people are not even paying attention. They don't even know. 
They had that June 15 or 16, whatever that crap was, where they supposed to have been freed in Texas and all this. They still in that mindset out here. And when you raise up, I'll tell them, uh, uh, come to these people and tell them the different literature that's out here or try to pull that coat. You like, I mean, they black boy, you quicker than a white person. They just, just so they don't want you around because you're disturbing the program. The NAACP out here is a joke. It's pitiful. I went to one or two of their meetings and you would think I was an alien. It's amazing, man. But I get crazy with white people, man. They're not playing. They're going to destroy anything that get in their path. See, they done got rid of, nullified the Indians. They're doing a good job on the black people and that so-called African-Americans or whatever. I heard Whoopi Goldberg say last week on one of her shows, it was a repeat show for the summer, and they, something came up. She said, well, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm from, I'm an African-American. I'm not an African-American. I'm an, I'm an American. Forget the Africa. I said, I don't know nothing about Africa. Don't want to know nothing about it. I said, Africa is your salvation, fool, and you got money to go back there and take care of some business. I mean, we, it, it's pitiful. That's all I can, the, the word that I, what I see every day is just pitiful. See, and these white, you understand, they're not, their back is against the wall. Everybody's waking up to them but us. All around the globe, the Chinese, you name it, everybody is waking up to their past and what they did in the past. And what they did in the past, they'll they'll do it in the future, but in a different way. High tech, all this bullshit, man. You understand? But the black people, the so-called African-Americans, whatever you want to call them, they think they're home free. Their main thing is to associate with white people, to be loved and accepted by white folks, to be able to speak to white folks, have them over for dinner, whatever, whatever you want to call it. That's their goal in life. They don't want to run nothing. They don't want to own nothing. What that brother said earlier about running their own life, running their own world. They don't want nothing to do with that. Bullshit, they'll, they'll, they'll come to a meeting. Business, you ain't going to find them. That's all I got to say. But I agree with everything y'all talking about, man. Let somebody else talk. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for your contribution, brother. Yes, sir. Brother West, any, uh, yes. any comments on what your brother had to say? He put He put it out there. Well, let me say this to you. Yeah, he has. And I get this all the time. I'm hearing this, but the, the, the challenge for me is to get the brother to understand that we need him on deck to do whatever it is he can do to, to turn this around. I mean, you know, well, you people know what? see it. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Say, Finish your thought. People, people see it and they, they look around and they, they're able to identify things, but get them to stand up. Whoa, that's a different topic altogether. And I would like to see this brother and other brothers and sisters begin to stand up and do something about the problem. No matter if it's just an inch, if it's a penny a pound, that's fine, but do something. And if we get more people standing up to do something, then we're, we're, it, it takes it off the shoulders of those of us who are behind this plow having to carry the weight. I, I agree with you. Um, 
you know, he mentioned that he, because uh, he's in New Mexico. Now, he said he goes to community organizations, NAACP, and, you know, converses with people. And some of the people don't really understand their situation. But, see, I look at it this way. When he's voicing his opinion at these meetings, it's somebody hearing it. Yeah. And it's somebody that's going to understand, wait a minute, that brother has a point. Maybe I never looked at it like that and get involved. See, that he can't stop going to the meetings. He can't stop being active because it's going to help other people start getting involved. See, to me, I don't think this European would be as successful as he has been if he didn't develop, and he took time to develop it, a group of black people that he's developed as a buffer class. Hmm. Where they'll always buy into what he's saying, where they try to convince other people that what he's saying, the best approach is good enough for. He did the same thing on the plantation. If they heard some black people talking, talking about they were dissatisfied, planning to run off, you had people that not only would, would tell the man if they had the opportunity, but probably try to talk you out of it. Try to say that that was the best thing for us, to be there. It's the same mentality now. But he has used the media to promote these type of people. And that gives black people the impression that, well, damn, a lot of our people think like that. A lot of our people don't think like that. They just don't. The media will give you the impression that they do. People like Whoopi Goldberg make silly statements when she says something that makes sense and they pull a rug out from under and suspend her, then she begs to get back on TV and then makes silly statements like the brother just said. Mm. They make sure that they keep the, the, the mic and the media in front of these people that don't mean our people basically any good. And I'm not saying that these people are bad people or they realize, some of them realize they're being used. Others don't. They just figure I'm making money. This is just, I'm, I'm living my life. I'm enjoying myself. I'm living my American dream. But they're just playing into the stereotype and the mold that they want black people to be. We talked with a brother last week. Uh, I guess it was on. And he mentioned about the statement that Scott made, Tim Scott made, about America is not a racist country. And I told him that Kamala Harris said the same thing, and he didn't. He wasn't aware of it and balked at it when I said it. But she did say the same thing, and, and Jim Clyburn said the same thing. But our people are ready to jump on the black Republicans, which, I mean, I'm not even going to justify any of that. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you're still playing on the same team, and you're playing for the same mission, the same goal to keep our people subservient. So, you know, I'm just saying that in reference to what the brother was saying. I understand his frustration, but there's plenty of people out there that don't agree with that type of stuff. They're just waiting for somebody to make a move so they can join in. I mean, you you heard, I mean, I, I see your work. I know that you went to different places around. I met you when you came here, and you lived in New Orleans. <laughs> So the organizers such as yourself, such as uh, Brother Charles Brown that was on here, 
They're going around. They're making sure other people kind of get information, learn how to organize, to implement uh, uh, tactics and, and strategies that they have used in other places. This is what's going to be the salvation of our people. Not listening to Goldberg or, or some of the ones that they got at that convention that I read the names off of that list. I still can't believe what I was reading. <laughs> the keynote speaker at some type of strategy session to develop strategies against voter suppression, affirmative action, brutality uh, it, it is Hillary Clinton. I mean, I, <laughs> wow wow let me let me go to another call let's go to let's go to 602 602 yes uh brother elliot and brother uh richard um and good evening to your guest brother with uh, brother marcus here yes sir you know what the brother say what brother West say is so correct especially when he mentioned the church but I want to piggyback what you mentioned about the, the NAACP. If you remember now that the NAACP was, was uh, um, Mary Ovington, Mary White Ovington, and Springard. I remember Springard was, uh, was, was a Jew. Was spying on black folks, right? He, he was working for the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. And spying on black folks, and that's one of their ain't that they one of their highest award they give the spin guard award to these Negroes. So these small hats, this cabible, you know, he is. We have to look at his involvement too. You know, is this cabible because cabible have us in a holding pattern in America have black folks in a holding pattern as a buffer between himself and the Anglo-Saxon. You see, if if black folks weren't here in America, you would see what they did to them in Germany would be happening here in America. You see, so the Kabibel used black people as a buffer between himself and the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. And you talk about the media, who control the media? Kabibel. <laughs> Same Kabibel control the media, who control the, the, the music industry? Kabibel. You see, and they put out all this, this rubbish, you know, promote all this trash that's destroying black people. And then who, what, the, what the church says, the brother was saying, what they say in the church, oh, Kabibel is the chosen of God. So if Kabibel is the chosen of God, that means black folks ain't chosen. You see, because apparently God have favorites. You know, so the brother right, but it's going to crash. I'm telling you, it's going to crash. It's just that we got to be prepared when it crash. Because you see the thing crumbling these white folks, you might see them pick up arms against each other and start shooting. <laughs> These politicians. I've seen two two Republican politicians, they had a fight in some state near one kick the other one in the nuts. You know, so these white folks here, they're getting ready to rumble. So remember what Garvey said. He said, when the elephants fight, 
the grass get trampled. And the brother is right. We are in a very, very dangerous position with what's going on in the world right now because it may jump off anywhere and we are not prepared. So it's imperative for us to get prepared. Thank you very much, good brothers. <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, sir. No, brother's right. And brother is right, and people need to realize and understand that you're going to end up in a position where you're not going to be able to reach out and, and get some help. So you better be, be, be preparing for it now. Wait till it's too late and it's over. Let's go to uh, 662. 662. Uh, let me put them back on hold. Let's go back to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot. Yes, sir. Good evening, Brother Richard, and good evening, Brother West. How are you doing, my, my, my dear brother and friend? Fine. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. Our praises be to our line. You know, before I talk about this subject, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here, Brother West. Forgive me, Brother West and Brother Elliot. Brother, I'm still here tripping, Elliot. See, See, Ellie, you're going to have me thinking I'm smoking some wacky weed. You didn't say Hillary was going to be the keynote speaker, did you, Ellie? You're just joking, right? That's a joke, right? No, I, th- I, I was, <laughs> no. Wow, Hillary Clinton, wow. Mm. Man, I you, mean, you already know, anybody with any conscience knows that the, the NAACP is out of touch with black people. I but to have, I, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it, now, you know, you sure there's not a thing of, uh, but that show to come on, uh, Brother West back in the day, and that, that show, uh, uh, it was the funny show with, with Alan Funt, uh, Candy Camera. This sure it's not Candy Camera, is Elliot. No. It can't be, when I say audio, or, or, or can't be audio radio, audio radio song. This is a joke, man. It's all, it wasn't so, it wasn't so tragic, it'd be funny. I mean, what's up, man? It's like, I, I can't help but laugh. Hillary Clinton, wow. Her of the Super Predators fame. Her of her husband Bill and stuff with the uh, you know the the, 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 the three strikes you out and the, and him and the him and the Biden for the crime bill and she's gonna speak on a, a strategy for black people Hillary Wow <laughs> man I tell you Mm-mm-mm. now I'm, I'm thank God Brother West I'm not a drinker but that's the kind of news that make me want to go grab me a strong drink tonight after her and that I tell you <laughs> so. It's amazing. It's amazing, man. Wow. Well, anyway, you know, Brother West, on the, on, 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 the, on the other serious note, though, when you mentioned about the land and stuff, see, I see, Brother West, with the with, 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 with the group that you're part of, New Africa, and, and what's the name of the I want to get the correct name of the group, Brother. What's the name of it again, Card? New Orleans United Front. In New Orleans United Front. See, y'all, y'all, y'all on the same page with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because as he asked for, as you well know, the five or six states, that we petitioned this government for, that we can go on of our own. So I could see New Orleans' group is on pretty much in the same mode because that's what we need, and I, and I think that's something that's doable because, after all, we are a nation within a nation. So that's something that's just doable. we got skilled people, black men and women that can do farming, that can do labor, that can do uh, plumbing, electricity, carpentry, you know, you name it. we got people that can engineer and we can do it. So there's so, so not no just no pie-in-the-sky idea, Brother West. There's something that can be done. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more on that. It's something that definitely is doable. And at some point, it, 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 it's going to probably have to come to fruition because uh, we can't keep living, like you said, in these kind of conditions, man. Something got to give. Something definitely mm-hmm. got to give, you know. And 
you know, when you look at, you know, like you say, these politicians, and I've long said this, Brother West, that's why you like a kindred spirit, because I've long said about these black politicians that represent us, and I've told Elliot and, and Richard in a time from Wigan Listen over this on a regular basis, a majority of our black politicians in this country, whether it be on the city, whether they be on the state, or whether they be on the federal level, I said very few of them really want to move our people against white supremacy. They're comfortable with this white man's foot up there behind. As long as they're getting their check, and they can, you know, finagle with white men and women and, and, and be at their house or they be at their house and, and their so-called phony show of friendship with these people. They don't mind a white man foot up there behind. As long as they, they're comfortable in their oppression. They don't want to destroy the, the oppression. They, they, they want to be comfortable in it. And by them being comfortable in it, like you said, Brother West, they keep our people in it because they're not trying to move our people forward like a free-thinking people are supposed to do, move our people forward. And like you said, when a when U.S. sister brother say, well, they free, like you said, we have to be honest within ourselves to say we are not a free people. Like you said, we, this, this white man got us in a tank. Like you said, this white man right now in, in many of these cities of Brother West, you know, close down the supermarkets, do whatever these devils, white devils do. What our people, our people starve to death, man. You know what I mean? We, not in the, we, not, we have not put ourselves in a position, nor have our so-called black elected officials put in a position where we can have food, supplies of food or water or anything to sustain us. So we'd be, we'd be up Hell's Creek and stuff if something like that happened, man. So what you're saying, Brother West, is, is tangible, and these things, they need to be discussed among serious black people, you know, no matter whether you're a Muslim, a Christian, a Hebrew, or, or, or spirit, African spiritual religion, Buddhist, whatever, or, or no religion at all. If you just, no person don't believe in any kind of higher for, but, but if you just care about the, the, the plight of your people. These, like you said, Brother West, these things have got to be discussed, and, these, and, these, these, and we have got to strategize, and like we say, quite, quite to race, so we got to organize, organize, and, and, and get our people together, because this is serious, man. This is, playtime is over with. I mean, we, but you like to say the Supreme Court is telling our people, and, and white people, period, has been telling our people for the last so many years what they think of us and how they feel. So we, if we don't, if we can't see the, like you say, we read the, and I used that quote with Elliot the other day. I said, we have got to read the tea leaves. That's why it's funny, Brother West, you use that term. So I mentioned that to Brother Elliot. I said, we have got to start reading the tea leaves, man. This is serious. Playtime is over, you know. Yeah. And that's all, and that's all I want to share with you, Brother West. I, I appreciate what you're saying tonight because it, it needs to be said, you know. And we our people have got to get together, man. And we and we need out like like you said about the brother that's called called from New Mexico. We and Elliot said it too. We need that brother. We need our people out on the front line fighting. It very like said, everybody can can do something. None of us is no heroes or island among each a, a man. No man or woman is an island among themselves. But if we all give something, like you say, brother West, that plow get lighter and lighter for other brothers and sisters out there. And, and that's what I, that's the way I look at it too. You know. And I, and I just want to thank you, Brother Ellis, for letting me express myself and now put me on mute and I'll listen for the rest of the sh- show, Brother Ellis. Thanks for your contribution. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. Let's go to 443. 443? 443, are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Brother West, um... Uh, before we uh, kind of wind things down, uh, talk about some of the because you kind of keep me abreast all the time. You, you send uh, 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 emails and, and texts on about uh, some of the uh, uh, things that the uh, the United Front down there is doing down there in New Orleans uh, in regards to our people down there. But talk about some of the things that is happening. Um, you know, I, I've never been to New Orleans, uh, but 
let me ask you something, because I had a good friend of mine that just visited New Orleans, and I asked him about, uh, did he kind of tour around, like go to the, the Ninth Ward and places that had been affected by the flood to see, you know, what it looks like now. And he said that he hadn't. But to talk about it from your perspective as somebody that's there. Uh, those areas where it was flooded out when our people, uh, a lot of our people lost their lives down there. What has happened to those areas? Have they been gentrified? Uh, are the people back home in the areas? What is exactly is going on down there in New Orleans? Gentrified is basically what's going on. Okay. Um, yeah, the uh, the lower ninth ward. Um, it's pretty much not far from where it was after the flood. You have some new construction that went on down there, but that seems to have uh, subsided. And um, I don't know. It, 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 it's they're not they're, the city is not trying to rejuvenate that area. They, they're, they're happy to just leave lots sit because um, at some point in time, they're, they're, they're shifting a lot of the land that the city has taken over to developers. And I think they have a master plan for down there, but it's one that they can sit on for another number of years and, and not even worry about it. So it, it's terrible there. Uh, as far as um, the upper nine and the rest of the city, you have we have a lot of problems with uh, a, a mayor that doesn't care about the city. Uh, they tried to um, have a recall on her several months ago uh, because the recall law is is so prohibitive it's almost impossible to get the kind of numbers that you need in order to have her put on a ballot for a recall, which to me makes no sense from my standpoint, but it makes all the sense for all the elected officials because it almost ensures that it's impossible to get them out. We, uh, we, we partnered with the community United for change recently, um, to support the continuation of the consent decree on the police department here. The mayor is trying to get out of that, claiming that they're not able, they're not able to, to keep, um, to, to do the police work that they need to do because they're under this consent decree, which if you interpret what they're saying is that they're so accustomed to, having unconstitutional policing that they need to get back to unconstitutional policing in order to be able to serve and protect the city. And um, we're waiting now on a decision from the federal judge as to what her decision is going to be, because she's the only one that can, that can allow an exit from the consent decree. Um, And unfortunately it's political um, we have a, a group of uh, federal monitors that are out of Washington, D.C. It's a, it's a uh, law firm that got the job. They needed to have an office here, but they refused to put one. And um, we're 10 years into the, the consent decree, so 
you know, it, to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's a political football that they keep kicking from one end of the field to the other. Um, you know, I was going to ask you how long they were under that consent decree. You said 10 years. That's far. Yeah. But they, from, from the benchmarks that they have to reach, we're, we've got another at least 10 years to go because they're not meeting many benchmarks. Even having a, the federal consent decree monitors kind of fudge on it a little bit and trying to help them to, to, uh, to comply so they can get out. But even that's not helping. That goes to show you how, how terrible they are. And you know that 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 because a lot of you got a lot of those cities and all that's under those consent decrees. That, but that don't stop them from abusing black people, uh, like the, the brother that was in New Orleans that was uh, selling the uh, the DVDs or something like that that got shot uh, through the chest. Um, I forgot the brother's name. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, that uh, that's been a it's been a little while ago. Yeah, that was uh, that's why I thought that maybe they were under the consent consent decree after that incident happened but that didn't happen no 10 years ago that might have happened maybe four or five years ago yeah they were under it then but once again you know the consent decree it it all depends upon what the federal monitors are willing to to do in court to um restrain and constrain the mopd and thus far person my personal assessment is They've done very little. They've been more. Um, they've been they've been more willing to to give them the benefit of the doubt than I think that they deserve. Period. They they should be forced to follow the law. And they're trying to the, the monitors are trying to do everything they can to help them. Um, not follow the law from my perspective. Brother West, before we let you go, um, you know, we, myself and Richard and, and Ridge and a couple other brothers met you when you came up here and we were involved in, uh, uh, subconscious political organizing. And I know you're still, yeah. you're still carrying on that work down there in New Orleans. Um, yeah, just to, just, uh, hit on some points. Talk about that before we kind of let you go. The, the necessity for conscious black political organizing. Well, anytime you have a city in this country that really does not treat the black population the way it treats the white population, then there is a dire need for organizing. Um, unfortunately, we have many organizations, not just here in New Orleans, but throughout the country, that are organized for the mere purpose of, of um, padding their pockets. They, they get a lot of grants. They do very little. Um, and, and to me, that's a lot of, of money, a lot of resources, and it's a lot of people being once again overlooked by a system that could look out for them and take good care of them. Um, you know, there, there's, there's just too much 
excessive spending going on for things that is not making the lives of people that need servicing to be serviced. And, you know, there's just so much that we have to address until we actually need more foot soldiers to get involved so that we can begin to attack these uh, elements that are not servicing our community the way they were designed or supposed to be uh, servicing our community. So we do need foot soldiers. We do need more of the, uh, the political subdivision who have the voters that are in there to not only take what is given to them, but to understand that they are entitled to even more if they would just stand up and demand it. So I I just urge black people here and everywhere to start getting involved in what's going on in your community. You got to start from your door seal and move step by step outwards until you can, you can see and understand what the actual problems are. And when you begin to see and understand what the actual problems are, you can begin to realize what the solution should be and work towards those solutions. So, you know, my whole thing is we need you involved. We need to get you moving. Um, when I was up there in Philadelphia, I got to see and hear and learn quite a bit about what's going on throughout the country. And fortunately, I have uh, maintained contact with people like yourselves and others throughout the country that we're able to assist one another whenever we can with whatever we have available. So that's always a good thing. We, we have this network that we have created and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that network stays intact and is able to service our community and our people. Brother West, before I let you go, let me, let me grab this call. Cause he might have a question or comment for you. Go, uh, let's go back to six, four, six, six, four, six. Hey, Elliot, I wanted to ask your, your guest, um, did you speak about Gary Chambers in the run that he made in um, Louisiana? And what's your take on, on that brother? Because, um, you know, I, I, I listened to him quite a bit. Now, I think he's pretty progressive, but I, I, don't, I don't know if you know the machine is backing him totally. What's your take on him? Um. The, my, I mean, I like to see the brother more involved in the black community. Uh, I think he's trying to to walk a thin line, the fence, if you would, um, because if you're too black, then you're in trouble here in Louisiana. So I think he's trying to do that. But I would like to see him more involved in the black community and and quite possibly um, begin to organize politically because I don't see uh, black folks organizing unless they're organizing for the Democratic Party. And that's, that's unfortunate because 
you know, I personally don't see any difference between Democrats and the Republicans at all. Hey, sir, sir, let me let me tell you something, and I say this all the time. They just use lube. That's all. They butt break you like they all do. They just lose lube to make it not too rough. The Democrats, and, and, and what people don't realize is when you say this right here, why haven't they passed the voters' rights bill? Why haven't they done the necessary things that will put white folks in political jeopardy? These are your Democrats. These are supposed to be your friends and allies. They never pass anything that would that would jeopardize whiteness from being in control and their power. But yeah, yeah, your observation on Chambers is pretty right. He's 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 embedded in that whole democratic political system, which I don't see it doing anything for us. Because remember, these white men want to keep power. But congratulations on your working continuous health and uh, moving forward. Thank you. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Richard, before we let Brother West go, I know you probably got some comments you want to say to him. Oh, no, I just wanted to, you know, thank him for his work as usual and be able to, um, you know, keep as always, keep in touch and, and thank you for the information you send. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And I will continue the uh, communications line and link um, as I always have. <laughs> brother Wes, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being with Be us. Looking forward. Looking forward to it, my brother. And then thanks again to both of you. And uh, stay strong, stay black, but most important, stay committed to blackness. Yes, talk, sir. To, talk to you soon. We'll be right back. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services if, when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated.
becomes unruly called Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today. 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly called Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com. Abibitumi.store, we are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again. Because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions.
probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a, a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, I want to thank our guest that was with us this evening, uh, Brother Charles Byron and Brother Wes Johnson. Uh, Richard, it was an interesting conversation with, uh, with, uh, with both men this evening. Yes, yes. It continues the uh, development. I think we're getting a better... Uh, continuous better handle on what we have to do as relationship to what is real organizing. I mean, we constantly are, you know, with the interviews and, and from different people at different sections, hearing the processes that go, go through. Um, Brother Barron is very hyped in relationship to and motivated and, and clear of the work he has to do. And uh, 
you know, Brother West is, you know, as as even more seasoned, is very uh, understanding at the scope that we have to operate from. So I'm I'm glad that we are able to share that and continue to learn of what it what it means to be a real organizer in in this moment in time. Yeah, he said. Uh, he said it gives him more time to organize. He can devote all his time now to organizing and, and uh, you know putting together uh, the, the group power. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm gonna be. I'm you know I'm gonna still stay in consultation with both of the men to uh, to lend perspectives to uh, you know whenever they're doing some things to come on the program and talk about it, things of that nature. Uh, right. Also, Richard, I um, I did uh, well. I didn't. I reached out to uh, uh, brother Ungunwale. Um, do you listen to time for Wigan will be, uh, remember when he was on, talk about the documentary they did, uh, Oaklawn up there in Tulsa. And, uh, he was kind of just, uh, well, uh, extremely upset in reference to that court decision. Mm. Uh, but hopefully we can get him on maybe next week to kind of talk about it from that, the perspective of, uh, what has happened to, uh, uh, the, the remaining elders that are still alive. They do all three in court when that the decision came down, and uh, you know, it, it, just to have him on to kind of talk about what we do next, what's the strategy moving forward. Yes, that's some of the things that I had mentioned to um, uh, to uh, Reverend Brown when he was on about the strategy moving forward. But we'll uh, we'll maybe get the chair of the organization, maybe James Lance Taylor, a few others to kind of. Uh, lend some uh, uh, some ideals to that uh, to what we're raising, Richard. Because it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. I got my own uh, summations on what they're going to do once this uh, this has been passed off to the elected officials to move it forward. I kind of know what's going to happen, and, and black folks uh, around the country kind of know what's going to happen. But uh, we got to have a plan B moving forward. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, Brother Otis put in the chat room that, you know, I mentioned that uh, they had Hillary Clinton as the keynote speaker for a strategy. Right. So, but he said that at the Essence thing down there in New Orleans, Janet Yellen was the keynote. <laughs> what the mm-hmm. hell? You know, so I, wow. <laughs> Some of these uh, black organizations, I, you know, they, they, what did they used to say when the women walked their slip is showing? They, 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 Richard, what are they? What are they supposed to be doing? Wow, this is this is crazy. Maybe they think that the average black person don't know. Listen, when you're dealing in this world and you're dealing with Europeans, most of them think you're less intelligent than they are anyway. That's the natural fact. People might want to not want to uh, realize it or might want not might not want to acknowledge it. But that's the come on. What do you think? Black people are stupid. Hmm. I mean, you you parading these people up front. I mean, what type of strategies? What are they going to tell black people? I remember when uh, when uh, Bill Clinton, her husband, went to uh, he, he was at um, John Lewis's funeral and tried to trash Kwame Ture at the funeral. You remember mm-hmm. that, Richard? Yeah, yeah. But you you got some of our people that. Uh, I sent you that clip there that uh, one of the entertainers uh, in the IRE criticized some of them other black women that was there with all, you know, the type of uh, performances they was doing. 
saying it mm-hmm. doesn't uphold our culture. I don't know whether you saw it, Richard. No, I, I, I didn't get yeah, to I it. Did, I did send you a couple of those clips. Uh, she criticized a couple of the, uh, Megan Thee Stallion and somebody else for, you know, did those performances that don't represent any uh, uh, sensible black culture. And then uh, Jill Scott uh, kind of reworded that anthem, and the, p- p- some people was upset, including black people. Mm-hmm. Did you get you? Did you hear her? her yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, all of our people ain't sleep, and a lot of the people that ain't sleep is young people. So we don't mm-hmm. have to be buying into this media perception that all, a lot of our people ain't doing things or ain't you know don't know what's going on. You know, I was looking at, before we close, Richard, I was looking at the, um, you know, when I read that uh, uh, speaker list of who's going to be at the um, that convention, I looked down below at the, the key sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, uh, Boston Building Trades. I mean, some of these people got up. They, uh, their record of how they're dealing with black people is atrocious, but they're the key sponsors of that NAACP convention, uh, that convention up there. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that Boston building trades thing there, and it, uh, I'm reading this article uh, from the 22nd uh, last year, the 22nd of August, and it talks about the poor record of Boston. Since Boston population has grown uh, and uh, diverse over the past few decades with, with black people accounting for more than half of the cities. No, excuse me. With people of color uh, accounting for more than half of the city's current population and black people uh, making up 25% of all residents. But the city's construction workforce have not kept pace according to the Boston city data compiled and analyzed by uh, News Center for Investigative Reporting. And it and talks about here um, in 2020, this, the uh, uh, the union census showed that they have 23 unions filed data in the system. In total, the the union representatives have more than 19,333 members. This was of 2020. 86 percent. This is trade unions. 86 percent of whom were white. Five percent black and seven percent Hispanic. So you got a city of at least twenty five percent black. Uh, only five percent eighty. The trade unions is eighty six percent white and five percent black. And that was in twenty twenty. So that might have been you know because of COVID and all. You know when the people couldn't do that work and then they hired people back. It's a good chance that those numbers is even less than that, Richard. Mm-hmm. But they're one of the sponsors of the uh, the quote unquote convention there with Hillary Clinton as a keynote speaker, developing strategies for young black people. <laughs> mm. uh, the struggle continues, Richard. Um, before we leave tonight, uh, the lineup on time for an abbreviated lineup on time for an awakening media Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. 
Always interesting topics and dialogue on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. On Thursdays, uh, Mississippi on the move, Patrick Lumumba and the Black Liberation Movement down in Mississippi from 7 to 8 on Fridays. Time for, time for an awakening. I'm sorry. Uh, time for an awakening is back from 8 until from Saturday to Elders of Sankofa from, from uh, the elders of Sankofa from seven to nine with with host Dr. Janine James, and then on Sunday, time for awakening is back from seven until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. A lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. <laughs>
children. 